America is the greatest country the world has ever known. We are a nation of immigrants, pioneers, and patriots. Together, we create the bold, beautiful fabric that is America. We are the city upon the hill, a beacon to the world. America is the land of freedom and unlimited opportunity. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every Friday as I spotlight those who embody the American values of faith, courage, and heroism. We the people have stories to share, stories to uplift and inspire. You will feel proud, humbled, and blessed to call yourself an American. Todd Hansen was a dorky, painfully shy, bullied little boy who was afraid to speak to people and engage in social situations. Yet he was able to overcome all of this to become a successful TV broadcaster and journalist. Todd found his passion sharing stories of others in his long-running TV series, The Story Trek. The Story Guy, Todd's American Story. Welcome to this episode of We the People, Our American Story. I have a very special guest today. He has been a staple in the Utah community and in the Utah broadcasting world for several years. Welcome, Mr. Todd Hansen. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for saying several years. You haven't <laughs> dated me. My news career goes back a few years decades. It doesn't mean you're old. It just means you're wise and experienced, right? I'm seasoned. That's right. You're seasoned. Yeah. Well, before we get started, we're going to loosen up a little bit. Okay. okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions and they're easy ones and the an- whatever's the answer that comes to your mind. All right. Favorite candy bar. Favorite candy bar is well, there's so many great this ones. This was out supposed there. to be easy time. <laughs> it's supposed to well, there's so many choices. You know, I like the Twix, I like the uh Snickers bar. It depends on the mood, you know. So I'm gonna go Twix and Snickers top two. I think that's probably a newsman's answer, isn't it? You have to yeah. elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about DC or Marvel? Um, let's go Marvel, you know, they're going crazy with movies and everything right i like that uh beach or mountains mountains favorite color red is die hard even versus- though i am a byu alum right <laughs> is die hard a christmas movie <laughs> when has it not been <laughs> okay. well great now we feel all loose and we're ready to go right okay okay let's get started can you start at the beginning, maybe share with us a little bit about growing up? Growing up? Well, I, yeah, I was just a dorky, painfully shy, not very smart kid from Pleasant Grove, Utah, who was uh, fairly bullied a lot and um, had no future. Really. You had no <laughs> I mean, future? Yeah, I, I really, well, no, here was my future. I was going to be a football star and it didn't matter if I was dorky and shy or anything like that. I was going to accomplish great things through my football career. So none of that other stuff mattered. So that that's really kind of me. I, I was afraid of people and talking to people. And I think everything in my life suffered because of that grades in school, I wouldn't talk to teachers, social activities, um, 
doing anything outside of the home was pretty scary, except with a few key friends. Sports, that was kind of my thing, my outlet. Well, so I cannot wait to hear what turned that corner for you, because that's definitely not the case now. You're not afraid to speak to people anymore, are you? Or do you just hide that? <laughs> um, I, there are times occasionally when I, when I'll feel a pang of shyness that's still in me a little bit but it's yeah it's pretty rare so it's nice to be on the other side of that was your family patriotic did you have any family members that were in the military yeah um we weren't really overtly crazy patriotic but uh you know my dad always flew the flag anytime any chance we got my dad was in the Navy. Growing up, I had uncles who were in the military, served in World War II, uh, Vietnam. My dad, he, he joined the Navy. He served four years. And then his entire life, he was in the reserves. A cool story about him. So way after serving in the Navy for his four years and then reserves forever, this was... After retirement, he was called up for Desert Storm. So he's this old geezer who's called up for Desert Storm. And he was actually the oldest person called up for Desert Storm for active duty. He went to San Diego to help load ships. And it was just this really cool story. And he loved it. And we loved it. You know, we were proud of him for doing it. Well, did he have any special skills they needed or just the luck of the draw, so to speak? I think just the luck of the draw and the fact that he had always served. He was always in the reserves. Can you remember the first time that you felt proud of, to be an American? Um, you know, since being a young kid, I always felt patriotic. And I don't know what they teach in schools these days, but... I mean, they taught us about America when I was in school. And I remember learning about the founding fathers and learning about how this country came to be. And I had intense pride about that. And of course, when I was young, it was the bicentennial. So I remember living through that. And it seemed like everything in America was red, white, and blue in 1976. And I was just this little boy. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like I am living in the bicentennial. It's been 200 years since America became a thing. And that was the coolest 4th of July ever, I thought. And so I've just always had this intense pride of being American. But I think every morning waking up, I have pride in America. The fact that people are waking up and making it happen, going to work, getting out of bed, having faith that things are going to work, that if they go to work that day, that the system is going to keep functioning and that they're going to be able to pay those bills and that everything's going to be all right. That's what makes me proud to be an American. You are the first person in your family to go to college. Is that correct? Yes, partially. I have an older brother who went to college. Um, actually, my dad, you know, went to, it was called the Trade Tech 
back in the day and got certifications. He was a mechanic and now it's become Utah Valley University. So he went to the trade tech, got different certifications in being a mechanic. But then uh, my brother went to like a semester and a half of junior college. And he was by far the smartest, most intelligent person in our family. And then he dropped out of college. Nobody else that I knew of had ever gone to college. And I guess I was the first person to successfully complete college, a four-year degree. I am guessing when you began this path that your intention was not news broadcasting. Actually, it was. So it was. I, when did that change happen then? <laughs> well, I was terrified at the thought of going to college because, you know, the most intelligent person in our family went, didn't work out for him. So I thought there's no way I can go to college. I can't, I can't hack it. You know, I'm not like those smart people. So I did not go to college right out of high school. And I served a mission for my church and then did a lot of growing up on that mission and realized, like they say in Ghostbusters, you don't know what it's like in the real world. They expect <laughs> results. So I knew they were going to expect results. When I got home from that mission, I would have stayed on my mission forever. I loved being a missionary, but I knew I had to do something after my mission to uh, have a real life. So I went into college and decided on broadcasting. And there are some various reasons for that. But yeah, I dove right into broadcasting, although absolutely terrified to go to college, terrified to go into broadcasting. With you being as shy as you were, what made you want to go into that field? A couple of things helped me to be able to be here talking to you or to be on a stage talking to thousands of people or to be in front of a camera talking to who knows how many people all across the world who watch the TV show. I went on this mission and boy, if, if you want to make a man out of somebody, you buy him a couple of suits, you give him two weeks training and give them some scriptures and you say, Hey, go preach to people. Good luck. And that was terrifying for me who I, I had this intense desire to go on this mission. Although I was scared to death to actually speak to people, which is really required when you want to preach the gospel to people, tell them about Jesus Christ, but I did it. And it was great at getting me out of my shell, but still I would say I had about 20% shyness left and I hated it. I wanted more than anything to break this because I knew it wasn't who I really was. My mother told me years later that somewhere when I was this younger kid, this switch flipped because I was before that a normal, happy go lucky gregarious kid, but this switch flipped and I just shut down. And it was when I thought back on it around this time when this bullying started with like three different pretty serious bullies. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know. But I'm thinking it's probably related to that. And I just sort of shut down and became this shy kid. 
so I knew that, man, this wasn't me. And I wanted to get over it. Now, I think there's a place for shy, reserved people in the world, and it's fine. There's a place for outgoing, gregarious leaders in the world. But I just knew that I wasn't that shy person. I wanted to break it. So the mission helped tremendously with that. And then afterwards, I thought, what better way than to jump into the deep end, go into broadcasting? If you're shy and you want to overcome it, go into broadcasting. May I ask you a little bit about the bullying? Yeah. How long did that last and how severe was it? It was probably from, well... It was from about five years old to nine. Oh my gosh, you were tiny. So. Yeah. Like it started when, uh, when I got this BB gun for Christmas and I was so excited to get this BB gun. And I don't recommend that you get your five-year-olds a BB gun. <laughs> for it was a different time back in the seventies. Yes, it was. Yes. And so I got this BB gun. I was so excited. And I go down to the end of the street and I'm shooting this old tree. And then this big kid, like three or four years older than me comes and he grabs my BB gun and I'm just stunned and shocked. And he gives me that one word of advice. He says, run. (laughs) So I start running and he starts shooting me with the BB gun. And that's kind of when the bullying started with him. And then there was a kid across the street who was older than me, bigger than me. He beat me up. And then we moved finally when I was like nine years old. And I thought, hey, I'm free of the bullying. And right across the street, another giant kid, again, a few years older than me, him and his buddies would again bully me every single day of my life. And I had to get to the school, which was just a block away, but I have to get past him to get to and from school. And it was just, it was absolutely terrifying to me as a little kid, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, they say. And I think because of that, I would not have chosen the career that I went into. And there was no way I was going to be a football star or a basketball star or a tennis star, you know, all these things that I wanted to do. I had three knee surgeries in high school, two ankle surgeries later. It just wasn't meant to be. When you don't get your dream, sometimes you get your destiny. And because of the bullying, I think I chose broadcasting because the bullying shut me down and I knew I wasn't the shy kid. I went into broadcasting and it's been incredible. How did your broadcasting career begin and then where did it progress to? Well, it really started at BYU, KBYU, uh, doing radio there and then the TV station there. And it's funny, you know, I have the videotape to prove how bad I was. (laughs) And so I am proof that if I can do this anybody can do this. And I have courses that teach people how to be great on camera, even if you're terrible like I was. So it it progressed from there. And then I went to 
Washington State as a news anchor and reporter, small market, Tri-Cities. And then from there, I went to Salt Lake City, Fox 13 News, worked there for like 11 years. And then I was finished with TV forever, had enough of it, got a real job, went into marketing and sales and did really well with that until the company I was working for looked like they were going to go belly up. And so I got out of there and started producing a reality TV show and actually didn't really like that. The six, seven days a week and the 16, 18 hour days and thought, wow, this TV stuff, that isn't so much fun anymore. Like it wasn't before. <laughs> and so then I heard that uh, the network was looking for some programming ideas and pitched the show. And then the story trek happened and that has been life-changing been an amazing experience. For those who don't know, I certainly know about it. Will you please let us know a little bit about the story trek, what that was all about? So the story trek simply was kind of a project, an experiment to prove that every single person who walks this planet has a story, has something important to share. And the way that I would prove that is simply by drawing a state out of a hat blindly. I would get a map of that state, put it down on the ground, and either me or one of my daughters would, or my wife would close our eyes and drop a marker on that map of that state. And invariably it would hit a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. And we would go to that tiny little town in the middle of nowhere and look for a warm body or start knocking on doors. And the first person who agreed to tell us their story, we would put their story on the show. They wouldn't know I'm coming. I wouldn't know who I was going to meet. And the stories were incredible and multiple Emmy awards. And that doesn't prove that I'm amazing. That proves that people are amazing, that people have incredible stories. And really that's, that's it in a nutshell. Did you get uh, the door slammed in your face more than a few times? Yeah. yeah. Did it bring back your missionary days? <laughs> it's a lot like missionary work. Yeah. Uh, doors slammed, uh, guns pulled, oh bats gosh. pulled, uh, people <laughs> yelling, um, police called, um, escorted out of town by police. <laughs> I think I saw one of those episodes where you were escorted out. Yeah. But the majority of people in America are great people. It's kind of my 80-20 rule or even 90-10 rule. The majority of people are just good people. And really, it would only take four or five doors on average before we'd get somebody who would say, yeah, sounds interesting. Many people would say, yeah, interesting. I'm intrigued. I'd like to do it. I don't have a story, but yeah, you could talk to me. And of course, they would have a great story. Are there any people or stories that have really resonated with you that stick in you more than others? Oh, I mean, there are so many. There are a lot that really have had an impact on so many people that are great. I mean, there's a story we did up in McCammon, Idaho uh, years ago that has 
influenced and impacted so many lives, saved lives, which has been really great. We just rolled up, didn't even get a chance to knock on a door, but we saw this woman and we did her story, started talking to her. And she said, you know, in fact, three days ago, I had a dream that you would come to my door and we would do this and I'd tell you my story. And I'm like, that's crazy because you know how this show works. You know, it's completely random and we drop the marker and we just go wherever it takes us. And so, I mean, I've always felt that uh, we're guided where we go and we talk to the person we're supposed to. So if I believe that God is my executive producer, then that's how that works. But if you don't believe in those things, then statistically that's impossible. Anyway, her story was about her having chronic Lyme disease and her getting treatment at one of the world's greatest clinics for that in Pocatello, which was just up the road. And because of her telling that story, hundreds, maybe thousands of people have now gotten treatment. And we did a follow-up story later and people have said, yeah, my life was saved because I saw that story and I was able to find that clinic. I mean, stories like that are just incredible, but I've gotten so many emails from people who say, wow, I saw this story and it saved my life because I was at the end and I was ready to end it all. But this story turned everything around and that's priceless. I imagine these people that you meet, there are times where it breaks your heart and you leave wishing you could do more to help. Yes. Yes. Um, So many times. That's one of the things that I learned the most from doing this show is that no matter what I'm going through ever, I have absolutely nothing to complain about because so many people have been through so many difficult, difficult things in their lives. And we have been able to help some people out at different times. We interviewed a homeless woman one time who was sitting on a park bench and we went up just to get her to be the person in that town who gave us the directions in that town on where to go. And I just said, well, what are you doing here today? You're just enjoying the the weather here in the park? And she said, oh, no, I'm just uh, hanging out until it's time for me to go home. Where's home? She lived in a storage unit. And so we went and saw her home and tons of people reached out and I knew they would. And so we were able to get her a lot of help. So many people have been through so many difficult challenges in life. And that's what I said earlier, when I'm proud to be an American, people who are getting up every morning and just making it happen, getting through the day. I mean, that's what, that's what faith is, right? It's getting up in the morning. A lot of the episodes that I have seen on story track, there are people that have very little and yet they give so much. I've noticed that as a trend or a reoccurring theme in the shows that you have done. And I don't know if that is by accident, but it seemed to have happened a lot in your stories. Yeah, completely by accident. I don't know if they don't believe it or they choose not to believe it because reality TV is not real. (laughs) I hate to- uh, You're bursting people's bubbles. (laughs) Burst the bubble, yes. 
but uh, I have many crew members who have worked on many reality shows and we won't say what shows, but things are planted, things are scripted, people are told what to say. Obviously, people are auditioned and casted. And I said for this show, and because I'm, I'm a journalist by training, and whatever you think about journalism and reporters and journalists, when I was trained as a journalist, we didn't make anything up. We didn't pretend anything. We didn't plant anything. There, there was none of that happening. Well, maybe there was, but that's not my training. And I just said, I will never, one, fake a story. It will always happen randomly. And I'll never cut a story. So every story that you see is a story that happened and no story ever got cut from the show. And uh, that's just the way everything happened. What you saw is exactly what happened. So yeah, it wasn't by any design. It was completely accident. And all of those people who didn't have much, who gave a lot, they were also extremely happy as well. So the people who had very little, it seemed were the happiest people. And I interviewed some people who had a lot. They weren't always the most happy. And the wealthiest communities that I'd end up in randomly were often the toughest to get people to talk to me, which was interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. We've talked about it a little bit, but is there anything else that you want to elaborate on that as you were out talking to all of these people that you really learned what America is about? Well, it's interesting. And it started before the story trick. I did this as a reporter at Fox 13 News in Salt Lake City. So I did a little segment called Trippin' with Todd. And it was kind of the predecessor to the story trek. And I would do a weekly segment where I would just bump into somebody. I would spin a bottle. I would count car keys. I would do whatever to figure out where to go randomly and start knocking on doors or bump into somebody on the street. And I just, I learned that America is, it's about opportunity. It's about dreams it's about making it happen. I remember this story I did at Fox 13 about this Bosnian couple who fled the war in Bosnia. And they came with just what they could carry on their backs. And I mean, it's the Daleks, Otis and Sadanya Dalek. And they had absolutely nothing. And they went from two or three countries before they were able to get to America. And they're like, America. We have made it to America with absolutely nothing. But wow, if we have made it to America, that's everything. Because this is where dreams come true. This is where we have the opportunity to work and create and do what we can dream. And so they opened this cafe in Salt Lake City. I think it's still running. I mean, this was 15, 17 years ago. And, you know, they were living in this nice little home in Salt Lake City. 
and making their dreams come true. And to me, that's what America is all about. Not all of us are going to be incredible, wealthy millionaires and have everything. And none of that matters. It's what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's the people who don't have a ton, but they're happy. I mean, you can have success in America, if you just have a few basic things, if you have a full-time job, then you're doing so much better than millions and millions of people all around the world. Wealth is so relative in the world. You don't need millions of dollars. We just commemorated the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. I follow you on Facebook. And I saw that you had a post on there that you were reporting on that day. Can you take us back to that day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a tough, tough day. It was my day off because I was the weekend anchor. I had Mondays and Tuesdays off. And I was actually getting ready for a bunch of sod in our backyard. And I needed that day off. (laughs) <laughs> because I was, I was leveling out our backyard and getting rid of all the rocks and everything in our backyard. And then this happened and planes started flying into buildings and you didn't know what was going on in America because there were all these rumors about other planes. And then there's the Pentagon and you didn't know if one was going to the Capitol. And then we heard rumors about planes heading to LA and different areas. And I was dying to watch all of this on TV, but I had to be out working in my backyard and I knew I was going to get called into work. So I had to turn on the radio and listen as I worked. And I was dying to be able to cover it. I knew I would anyway, I had to listen to the information and then I got called into work and it was my duty to just go around to different churches and prayer vigils and stuff and just see people who, different people who were like stranded, flight attendants and stuff who, you know, planes were grounded, they couldn't get home. And the preceding days or days after that, just interviewing different people um, locally because, you know, we weren't flying anywhere, doing anything. And what struck me was the incredible patriotism in America. People stood up for this country, flags everywhere. And it was patriotism I hadn't seen since probably 1976 when I was a kid in the bicentennial. Uh, And I loved it. It was amazing. It didn't last very long. My lasted month maybe a month. I don't know. Not much longer. I was really proud to be doing what I was doing then. And I felt as a journalist, TV news guy, that we made a difference four or five times a year in the coverage we did. There was news that you could use that really made an impact on people. And I felt like this was news people could use. And we were 24 seven with news. All other programming was suspended for weeks. 
and money didn't matter. Advertising didn't matter. Advertising was gone. And I was proud of that. And TV stations, networks lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that didn't matter. We were there to inform. And I was proud of that. I was proud of what we did as journalists. And I was proud of America at the time. Todd, do you feel comfortable discussing a little bit, and we won't get into specific channels, but about how journalism has changed today, if you feel it has changed? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it has. And it's become polarized based on cable networks. And I think that's clear to see. And as somebody who consumes media, because it's what I studied and what I've done and what I still do at times, it's important for the average consumer of news to get your news from multiple sources. So if you're just consuming news from MSNBC, or if you're just consuming Fox News, or if you're just consuming CNN, you're doing yourself a major disservice. But if you're doing like I do, and you're watching MSNBC, and you're watching Fox News, and you're watching CNN, and you're reading multiple newspapers every morning, then the truth is somewhere in there. But you need to be finding the sources multiply. Local news, and I hated seeing what was happening during 2020 and all the riots, all these local news people being attacked by protesters and beaten. I mean, it, it was terrible. Local news, I think you're pretty safe by consuming local news. As a local news reporter, I was never given any mandate ever on how to cover a particular story. Upper management never said, Todd, you got to do the story this way. You can't interview this person. You have to interview this person ever, never. And I just don't think that happens in local news, or if it does, it is very, very rare. What you have to watch out for are the major networks and cable networks. And I think everybody at this point knows their biases. That's kind of my take on journalism. And and it's sad because there are real journalists at all of these major cable networks. You can find serious real journalists at MSNBC. You can find serious real journalists at Fox News. You can find serious real journalists at CNN. But if you think that Rachel Maddow is a serious journalist, or you think that Sean Hannity is a serious journalist, you're wrong. They're commentators. They're not journalists. So they're opinionators. Well, I'm wondering if you think, is it all about money? Is that more of what it is? What, where was that switch when it didn't become fact, but now a lot of journalism on these major networks, is all about opinion and trying to sway their viewers to their side of the aisle or what have you, things like that. I, I don't know if it's, I mean, the money is huge. The money is incredible. So I don't know if it's the money or if it's trying to influence political opinions or a little bit of both, but I know the money is 
incredible. I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to have a little bit of that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I don't know. Story Trek sadly ended. We talked yes. a little bit about that before we began recording, but it's your passion. What yes. are you doing now? Well, so uh, 2020 was interesting for all of us, right? It was a little bit uh, crazy. And just prior to that, I had started doing business corporate videos, uh, whatever I could to uh, keep myself afloat, uh, still trying to figure out a way to bring the old format of uh, storytelling, the randomness of it uh, somewhere, you know, so if any of your listeners out there have some connections with uh, <laughs> some uh, major networks or uh, cable, Netflix, whatever, give me a call. I'd love to chat and uh, we'll get a great show on. But then 2020 hit and I couldn't go in a house or in a business. And uh, so that kind of died. So I transitioned into uh, helping people tell their own stories. And people for years have always asked me to, can you come and tell my story on the story track? And I explained, well, it has to be random. And that's the only problem. So if fate sends me to your door, I would love to. Well, now the show's ended. But I can do that. And I have a way on my website where, yes, I can come to your house and I can sit down, interview you, and we can tell a great story, or we can do it virtually, like you and I are doing with computers. Or you can come to my studio and I can interview you that way. But also, I have this great course where I teach you how to tell your own story via your own camera, via your computer or your phone or a DSLR camera and interview your loved ones because these stories are priceless. They're so important. And I also teach a camera confidence course, which is uh, really important for guys like me to be confident on camera. What is the name of your website? It is storyempowered.com. You don't need the www in front of that. Um, storyempowered.com. And what are you offering for my listeners? For your listeners, 35% off all of those services. If you use the promo code TINA, you think your listeners can remember that? I hope so. Why do you think it is important to share these stories and to keep them and not have them blow away with the wind? Because there are so many benefits. Now, if you record your own story, there are studies that show that it can improve your mood and your health. So just the personal benefit is great. But the benefits to your family, the benefits to children, to your kids, to your grandkids are incredible. There's a study out of Emory University that uh, shows that kids have more resiliency, they have less depression, less anxiety, they're better able to make good decisions in the future. I mean, there's so many incredible benefits to sharing your stories with posterity. But it's not just, okay, I, I, you know, 
people get intimidated by, oh, I got to do my personal history. Oh man, I was born <laughs> in 1906 in a small shack. And how am I going to remember all these details? What I get into, and, and when people watch the story trek, it's not all those minute little details. And if you did that, if you're 80 years old, it might take you 80 years to tell that whole story. <laughs> what I get into, especially in my course as I teach it, is how to tell the most important stories and how to structure those stories to where they're meaningful and they teach important principles, the things that you have been through. And, and I guarantee you, every one of you have had incredible teachable moments in your life that can teach important principles, defining moments and the way you have reacted in those defining moments can teach things to your posterity that will bless them for generations. And there'll be priceless gifts for your posterity that if they go away into the wind, then it's just a tragedy if they go away. The holidays are around the corner. And honestly, I cannot think of a more perfect gift to bestow upon somebody I would love to do that with my in-laws. My parents are gone. I have my yeah. dad's story, but I never got a lot of my mom's. And I think it would be a fabulous gift maybe for my in-laws where they can share their stories because when this they're gone, is... they're gone. Exactly. And that's the huge tragedy. I'm the story guy. I do this for a living. I have interviewed thousands of people in my career. My parents both passed away when I was in my mid thirties, my mom, a few years before my dad, never once did I think to sit down with them and interview them. I have nothing. I don't have any recordings. I mean, I have some video, you know, some old high eight video of them, but nothing of them just kind of telling me anything about their lives. And, and that's a tragedy. That's a huge mistake especially for me being the story guy. And I don't want that to happen to other people. And yeah, I could do it personally for people. And, and I love to, I, it's my passion. There's only so much of me to go around uh, with people, but that's why the course is so important because that can get out to multiple, multiple people. And I can show you how to do it yourself, but yeah, I'd be thrilled to personally do it with people if they would like to. And what a treasure it would have been. I know you have four daughters. Yes. And what a treasure it would have been for them to have those stories that they could then share with their children. Exactly. Only my oldest really remembers my parents very well. That's, that's pretty sad. Todd, of everyone that you have spoken to, and this is what I think is very interesting of all the people that you have spoken to do two people have the same story not even twins and i've interviewed twins before and they do not have the same story everybody has a unique individual amazing interesting story and so people need to understand that when they see somebody anybody even catch a glimpse of somebody on the street know that that person is interesting. That person 
has something fascinating about their lives. But the most important thing is when you look in the mirror every day, know that that person has something interesting, fascinating, compelling, something amazing to share with the world. Because everybody has their own perspective on what happened to them, and everyone is going to have a different story, which makes everyone special and unique. Absolutely. Where can we find you on social media besides your website? You can look for the name Trippin with Todd, T-R-I-P-P-I-N-W-I-T-H-T-O-D-D. That's what my thing was called on Fox 13. I thought it would be an interesting name, you know, <laughs> to stick with me. I don't know if that's cool or not, but uh, tripping with Todd. Yeah. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and I think Twitter. Todd, what does America mean to you? America, again, it means, it means opportunity. It means dreams. It means freedom. It means the ability to wake up in the morning and make anything happen. And I've been to other countries, third world countries, where these are not realities and people struggle day to day and, and people struggle in America. There's no question that people struggle in America, but not to the extent that we have the opportunities here that they don't have there. So that to me is America. It's the opportunity. It's the ability to dream and make those dreams happen. Thank you for sharing your American story with us. It's been a pleasure. Todd's story is incredibly important for any bullied child to hear. There is hope. Todd is a genius when it comes to sharing stories. And with the holidays around the corner, there is no more perfect gift than the gift of stories. Stories from parents, grandparents that can be passed on to children, grandchildren, and other posterity. Visit Todd's website at storyempowered.com and you can receive 35% off of all of his amazing services by using the code TINA. Thank you again for listening to another episode of We the People, Our American Story. This season is so fabulous, and I have a few more episodes waiting in the wings. Next week, my guest is Navy SEAL Ray Cash Care. Ray's episode will be labeled explicit because of some language, but if your ears can stand the heat, you won't want to miss this episode. It is really inspiring. See you on Friday.